Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and I am joined once again by Agatha from She Wore Black podcast to talk all things cozy horror. The levels of happiness (laughs) when you asked me to do cozy horror with you, it was off the chart. I am so excited to be back. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. We had to. And it's, I feel like it's a trend. I don't know if it's a trend I've noticed more or something that I personally have been gravitating towards more recently. The cozy horror as a whole or cozy everything? Cozy horror. Yeah. I, well, especially during the pandemic, I went through that whole hygge, I think that's how you pronounce it, thing where you've got your candles and your, and your, and it wasn't even about the fad. It was about like, you know, the world is falling apart. What can I do to, to feel better? And I've talked about cozy horror a little bit, just depending on the on the authors, but mostly with like Travis Baldry, who came on, and we talked about cozy fantasy. And I think I've not been able to stop with all things cozy since. I mean, I'm still loving my women running across the moors in 90s and all of that stuff, but I feel like there's a coziness in that, though. Like you're in a big drafty house. There's like flickering candles and I'm in a nightgown. Like, okay, Okay, I feel these vibes. (laughs) This is so true. This is so, so true. There's so many things, though, related to this. Don't you think? I mean, it's like it's I mean, cozy mysteries have been around for Mm -hmm. a long time, but cozy fantasy really picking up as well, even though that's also always been around when you look at things like um diana Wynn jones and terry pratchett you know that cozy vibes in literature have, have been around but i'm really enjoying seeing it in in horror too oh absolutely i was gonna say also with your sarah holly episode i mean i've been getting more emails about like paranormal romance and like witchy romances and stuff like that i feel like that's also having kind of its moment last year especially witchy witches were really they exploded onto the scene. They're still very popular. In fact, in October, I'm going to be all witches um, just because I'm like, it's time. Why have I not done this already anyway? Um, but are you uh, planned all the way out till October? Yes, because I, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do like one season at a time and I'm stressed, like thinking just like five episodes ahead. I it's- cannot imagine you. It's my comfort, if you will. My coziness depends on knowing where I'm going. <laughs> but what also, is your sign? Well, I'm a cancer. So this okay. is why I've been in the world of cozy for a long time. So I, I mean, because we love our little homes. Um, and, you know, back before we realized that J.K. Rowling was terrible, like I reveled in my Hufflepuffness. You know? <laughs> but... Um, so yeah, we just we love our little our little comforts, the us July babies. <laughs> Late June, July babies. Got that. I'm a Taurus, so I feel like we also big oh. on the cozy vibes. See, so it was written in the stars. Absolutely. That's just science, ma'am. But it's interesting to think about. I know that's something people wonder about, like how can horror be cozy? Oh, I've got ideas. <laughs> Um, I think, and I know I saw this on Twitter too, but I, I've kind of thought about this for a long time, especially having had cozy fantasy and been interested. I mean, I've been reading cozy mystery a long time too, and it's the same idea. There's a difference between comfort and cozy. 
So there are comfort reads, like Circe is a comfort read. When I'm knee deep in anxiety, I will pull on, you know, put on the, the Circe audiobook. But that's not necessarily a cozy read it, by definition of like subgenre. It's just comforting to me because I know the story. I know the outcome. There's no anxiety and wondering what's going to happen. And this was actually a thing during the pandemic, too. I, I As a librarian, I had a lot of, well, a former librarian, I had a lot of friends ask me why their kids were reading the same books over and over. And I said, well, they do that anyway. Children go back to the same books over and over anyway. Adults do it, but kids really, really do it. Mm -hmm. um, and during the pandemic, especially when everything was so uncertain, the kids would read like even if it was several hundred pages, they would reread these books over and over. And I would tell my friends, like, let them because they're just, they know the outcome. They're not going to, this is the one thing they're not going to be anxious about. And I think that's a comfort. Whereas cozy is vibes, like um, aesthetics, it's quaint, it's got you know, um, a romance is often cozy because you have the comfort of a happily ever after. Mm -hmm. um, so I think when you have horror, you can have all the spooky elements. But if you know, for example, that you're going to have that happy ending or low stakes, low stakes is another way to think um. about it. Or even if the stakes are big, it's surrounded by humor or a love interest, or things that kind of negate those big stakes. Horror is also, I mean, like romance, trope heavy. And there is a oh, comfort yeah. in like, okay, I know where this is going. Absolutely. God, I love a trope. The realtor just told me there was a murder here. Perfect. I'm primed. <laughs> Kids on bikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get that. And I also feel like you were talking earlier about how there's like coziness with the, the big you know, mansion with candelabras and, you know, the nighty and the fog and all of that. And I'm like, yeah, I, I love the woman running away <laughs> from big houses. It, it pleases me and makes me so very, very happy. <laughs> um, I asked for recommendations for cozy horror movies and I'm, I was a little hesitant with horror fans because you ask horror fans what their like comfort movie is and you might get some of the most like horrific anxiety inducing <laughs> films and people are like, I love it. I watch it whenever I've had a bad day. Like I unwind to midsummer and I'm like, okay, well, that's but you. They know the outcome. That's true. That's why that and the flower crown. That's where it all is. <laughs> uh, do you have elements for you that you're like, oh, this for me is peak cozy? Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, well, and I saw in your notes and, and this is mine by default as well, food. Like mm -hmm. if some, a lot of times if there's like something like hot chocolate, um, fall vibes are real big. So pumpkins and cooler weather because cooler weather means cable knit sweaters and cardigans and, you know, uh, the colors of fall that make everything feel cozy in our lives because you have fires and candles and like fires meaning fireplaces, not horrifying fires. <laughs> just some arson. I should, just, I, love I it. should, yeah, distinguish. Um, but ultimately things that make you feel safe. And so, you know, I, when I talked about Sleepy Hollow, yes, there's a headless horseman murdering people, but there's pumpkins, Stephanie, there's pumpkins. <laughs> 
and the love interest. And when you have the romance and pumpkins, you know, it's undefeated. <laughs> Gotta have it. Yeah, I had that on my list too. I said big seasonal stuff. So fall leaves, autumn weather, snow, holiday stuff. Uh, also like spring, summer, like beach, farmer's markets type stuff. Oh, I love a farmer's market. So one of my favorite tropes for like cozy horror is like a spooky small town with like weird stuff going on. Like give me a like short story collection about different stories and like a fictional small town. Love it. And okay. So, oh my gosh, that's a whole show right there, yeah. right? The small town in like the small cozy horror town it could be a whole show. Yeah. I don't even but, need all the stories to be cozy. Like I feel like by default, you'll have one or two. There could be some like freezer stories in there. Sure. Just the idea of a, a horror small town. Well, because look, we have the aesthetic, right? Yeah. You know, the aesthetic Charm is an inherent part of a cozy anything. So whether it's a cozy mystery, whether it's cozy horror, cozy fantasy, you've got to have charm. And small towns, if they're done right, <laughs> will have the charm. And so we're thinking very Stars Hollow kind of towns, right? Um, but the thing with small towns is they always have secrets. Mm -hmm. We got into like more of my favorite thriller tropes there, like... It's a small town and everybody knows each other's business. That's terrifying. I'm telling you what, I will have, like, I closed the trunk of my car when I went to the grocery store and my neighbor across the street texted me wanting to know what was going on at my house oh. because she was like worried that something happened because she heard a big bang. And I was like, that was the trunk of my car. <laughs> so I'm like, mind your business. Like, I want her to look out for me, but there's limits. <laughs> I need some boundaries. Oh, for sure. <laughs> there's also, especially in these times, you know, there's those, and I've just had Jennifer Head et al. on my show talking about the same thing with her book, The Hunter, because she goes back to a very quaint, aesthetically pleasing small town, which has secrets. But, you know, racism, socioeconomic differences, all of these other things can be played for horror. Um, but you still have the comfort of familiarity. So you might have a neighbor like Boo Radley who could help you out or, you know, the little old lady you don't suspect has, you know, she's armed and dangerous to help you out, you know, <laughs> or to hurt you. Either one, you know. <laughs> um, so there's like so many op options when it comes to what oh, a small town can bring to the table. I did have on here too, like cozy horror movies. Oh my gosh. I gotta um, start with my my all times, my Adam's family, Adam's family values. Those are my like peak. Like when I wanna feel cozy horror vibes. That's I think, where I go. I think that's perfect. I think that's absolutely perfect because that for me that's sleepy hollow too. And I already talked about that, so I don't need to I guess go back into it but yeah it's the same where you have both the look and creepy things but you have the humor mm -hmm. and the love story because there's definitely a love story in Adam's family like you know they're they're a peak those are peak couple goals right there <laughs> oh absolutely also just their house just the like yeah. mise-en-scene that's like going on there all the the set dressing all the like stuff on the walls like it's so 
lived in and there's so many just like gags and jokes and like spell potions and like books that come to life like all kinds of stuff Uh, the design of that house is just my dream you have one you're talking about later that also my dream house but i'm sure you can (laughs) (laughs) well i think everyone knows what that's going to be when you say dream house i mean we all know the practical magic that's we all want it and it's not real and that makes me sad Listen, I don't need you spoiling my dreams. <laughs> I think the the rough plans for it exist. I mean, it was like a set, like a shell. Um, but the, the rough plans for it exist somewhere. We could build it. I feel like I see that house so in so many places in Texas, though. That's just a very, it's weird because it's not even like close to taking place here. But there is a lot of that look going on in a lot really? of our Yes, in central in central Texas, especially because every town in central Texas is very quaint and adorable, um, very touristy. Um, the Texas Hill Country. I mean, you go and you look. Oh, lav- fields of lavender, or look at all the blue bonnets. It's a carpet of blue bonnets, rolling hills full of <laughs> blue bonnets. You know, um, but uh, in the middle of all of that, yeah, you'll have these really pretty houses, and of course, secrets. But um, I. I feel like that house exists in my mind and there's nothing you're going to say or do that's going to trample on that dream. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. That her like, uh, like conservatory little greenhouse room with all her house. little plants. Mm. So I'm from South Texas. I'm from Corpus Christi and there's a house on Ocean Drive. Everybody knows Ocean Drive. That's where the Selena statue is and the, water um that's not on the island that's anyway doesn't matter um there's a bunch of those kind of ha- like huge houses like that along ocean drive and there is one that has a greenhouse that everybody can see and this statue outside that's got this like moss growing over and it's like this woman with the wind billowing her gauzy gown and everything with moss growing all over it and i i don't want to be the stalker that like hovers outside the house but i conveniently jogged past it (laughs) or walked past it you know because let's be honest i'm not jogging very long um but probably way too many times like greenhouse was amazing and so but yeah that goes back to okay so there's a lot of things yes about a practical magic that are very cozy to me going back to the whole look of everything you also have the comfort of nurturing mother figures so even though they lost their mother the aunts are very nurturing positive mother figures that have created a safe space for these budding witches right um and then they in turn you know have their children you know well sally sally owens does um but there's like the the idea continues and i also the the idea that they all have agency they have agency over everything except the the fate of their love but it's a romance so we have the comfort of a happily ever after so even though there are actual scary things that happen and it's witches so it's kind of spooky um you know you have kind of guaranteed comfort with your mother figures and you have the guarantee of a happily ever after so oh, and i love the and sister fabulous clothes <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. Here you're talking well, about the sister relationship, and I'm like, I love her slip dresses. 
magical. It was so funny because I had watched. I mean, I watch Practical Magic like at least once a year. Like I love that movie. But I remember watching it a bit ago and I was like, oh man, these clothes look so outdated. But now I watch it and I'm like, I would wear these today. Yeah, I wore a lot of that look when it for many years, like probably a couple decades. But, you know, as a mom now, it's not quite so convenient to be able to wear slip dresses the way I used to when I was like 20. <laughs> but, um, but, the, but there's the cardigan that you can mm-hmm. slip over it. And they have very cute cardigans on that movie. Mm-hmm. And that's a comfort to me. A co- oh, like yeah. wearing a cardigan is part of like feeling cozy. And I'm like, that, oh, yeah. that, there it is. There's the built-in next level for me. <laughs> Oh my god, and I love the ending when all the like PTA moms get together. Yes. Margot Martindale is there, character actress Margot Martindale. I love it. Anyway, I love that movie. That is like as I mentioned before, annual watch. Absolutely. Oh gosh, just once a year? I feel like you owe yourself more than that. <laughs> I definitely do cuz I'm like I'll I'll watch it for like my fall slate of movies but then i'll be like technically this takes place during is it like spring or summer equinox so technically it's a warm weather movie actually so so now we have to watch it again exactly i have to do i need a midnight margarita to go with it i don't know (laughs) there you go midnight margaritas are comfy they're cozy excuse me i'm going to get one right now um, oh, I also had House on Haunted Hill. Tell me about why you think that's cozy. I want to hear all about it. I think just the trope of like all these people being brought into like this big house to win money and the back and forth with the husband and wife. And I don't know. I think all the, the character setups, you have like the narration with Vincent Price in the beginning and his like the floating head over the credits. Like, I don't know. I just feel like every time I put it on, I want to be like under a warm blanket with hot cocoa. The remake in the 2000s, I also consider cozy, even though it is (laughs) a bit more horror heavy. All that like dark castle era of movies, I consider very cozy. That's probably conflating like cozy and comfort, but I love them. Sometimes they go hand in hand. Yeah. Because like when I think about and the movie I'm going to mention is not cozy, but there are cozy elements to it, which is um, the new version of Shirley Jackson's We've Always Lived in the Castle. Um, I have not seen that one yet. Oh, my God. Oh, God. I love it so much because they did a really wonderful job. But it's also I love mid-century aesthetic on things. So like the clothes and the wallpaper and the house is also incredible. Um, but that house serves the same purpose as like what you're talking about. And even what we were talking about with practical magic with regard to no matter how horrible everything was outside the home, at least for most of the story, their house was their sanctuary. Um, I mean, you know, deaths aside (laughs) for Mary cat, you know, and like their like their trio of people in the house their house was their sanctuary and it looked beautiful like the i love the wallpapers and um you know the, the clothes and just the look of everything that she was always cooking something so she the sister's always in the kitchen yeah um, the domesticity That's yes okay. yes so there's like that kind of thing i think mm-hmm. in that movie too i oh, watch it and let me know what you think okay i will 
So I had on Annabelle on here, but specifically Annabelle comes home and specifically there's like one scene that <laughs> is like a scary scene. Like it is setting yeah. up scares and there is jump scares in it. But when it happened, I was like, I just love this. This looks like the cover of like a spooky book. And it's that their car breaks down on this foggy night and that fog is so thick around their car and they break down in front of a cemetery and there's like a cemetery gate in the background and the Annabelle doll is in the back seat and it's like a scary scene it's very tense like the music is ramping up but I was like I just love this <laughs> Did and see if you if it makes you smile like I y'all I can see her smile if it makes her smile then there you go that that's the feeling you want <laughs> from something cozy I have one kind of, you were talking about conflating comfort and cozy. And there's one that I do that with a lot, which is Ed Wood. Um, mm -hmm. I also feel like Halloween doesn't really start for me until I've seen Sleepy Hollow and Ed Wood. And um, there's nothing, it's not a horror movie at all, but it takes place in the horror world. Um, science fiction, but you know, you, you've got Vampira in there and, you know, scary things happening. But I also, you have the humor, you know, you, the whole Bella Lugosi thing, like all of those are, again, it's not a horror movie, but you have enough of the horror elements in there to make it count for me, if you will. <laughs> but it's the humor in there. I think that also it's the low stakes. It, you know, I mean, it feels high stakes for him, but you know, their lives aren't threatened necessarily. Um but, you know, their careers are. And so they're doing everything they can. So, you know, kind of lower stakes. There's no one chasing them with a knife. But yeah. it still matters. Tim Burton movies, I think, for me, are just like that horror cozy aesthetic. Because even yeah. the like pastels in Edward Scissorhands, just like that man nails an aesthetic. I was going to suggest Edward Scissorhands, too. But I was like, is that horror? I don't know. I was thinking about it before we... we we started because then I was like, well, then all of this is going to wind up just being a, a Tim Burton show. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. In high school, I absolutely had like a Edward Scissorhands shirt that I got from Hot Topic. Of course. And I wore it had all the, the time. good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like wasn't allowed to shop there. Like someone bought it for me. And I remember it being like such a badge of honor and be like, oh my God, I this shirt is from Hot Topic. Did you ask? <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> it was like before he came, it never snowed. And afterwards it did. <sighs> okay. Now I've got to go watch this when we're done recording. <laughs> I had other plans. They're canceled. <laughs> I had Trick or Treat on here, the horror anthology film. And I feel okay adding it because it was a lot of people's comment when I asked for like, what is your cozy movie watch? A lot of people said Trick or Treat. It is like a gory horror movie, but it is like Halloween all around in these like little mini movie segments. So there's pumpkins. Oh, absolutely. There is. So that was one of my criteria. <laughs> Can I just take a moment to say I appreciate anyone who appreciates pumpkins? You know, those are good answers. I have a pumpkin patch growing in the backyard, y'all, and I've never grown pumpkins before. I was not prepared. I am so excited to enter my full 
pumpkin witch form. <laughs> the next time you see me, I will be full-fledged pumpkin witch. I had Amazing. my first pumpkin blossoms today. Oh, you'll have to keep us updated. Oh, okay. Also, I don't know. Did you ever get into audio drama podcasts? I did a little bit. I did black tapes for like a season. And I did... Um, what was that one? It's a science fiction one, really. I did one season of what, what's that one? I think you even had it on your. We can welcome to Night Vale. Yes, that's it. So I did the, the first season of Black Tapes, and then you had Welcome to Night Vale on here. I've done that one, or at least the first season of that. But I've not continued with that because you know all these wonderful podcasts. Yeah. It's so hard. It's tough. Like between music, between audiobooks, between like podcasts just keeping up um i loved welcome to night vale i will be talking about it later but, that's exciting uh, absolutely loved it um but there was another one that was kind of similar and kind of going into like the spooky small town that was called king falls am which was these two people working at this radio station in this small town where there was like all these weird things going on and people would be like calling into the radio station all night and it was, I remember listening to that one a lot when I worked overnights and I like just listened to podcasts all night and I absolutely loved that one. Another one I love is Ghost in the Burbs. I don't know if you've ever heard. No, I don't know this. The host Liz Sauer was on Ghost Horror a few years ago. She writes these episodes about like people that contact her for like hauntings in their house. And it's kind of like being a suburban mom and like, Massachusetts and also like helping people deal with like their hauntings and learning like the different stories of their houses and stuff it's very interesting and some of them got like dark I think if you go like early back you get like a lot more urban legends and black-eyed children and like aliens <laughs> oh the black-eyed children always a winner uh, that's a good trope right there <laughs> so, you were talking though about so this isn't a drama, but I think a lot of people that listen to your show will probably also know Lore mm -hmm. um, and yeah. all of his other shows. Yeah. Aaron Minky has like a whole industry now, <laughs> yeah. but I, he came to Austin and I went to go see him live. And what the reason why I'm talking about this is not only because it's a, a horror podcast, but because the presentation when you see him live is very cozy. He has like a little rug and a wingback chair and like <laughs> candles and all the cozy things as he reads these stories to us. Nice. That's the thing. You got to have like an aesthetic. Oh, yeah. It was, it was perfect. But yeah, with like Ghost in the Burbs and like Urban Legends and Black Eyed Children and like honestly like cryptid paranormal stuff, big cozy vibes for me, like X-Files. But I that makes a lot of sense, though, because there's that whole like mythical element to it mm -hmm. where, you know, you're not actually going <laughs> to have, you know, El Kukui knocking down your window or anything. You know? Don't tell my mom. <laughs> How else is she going to keep us in check? I it's know, a, I know. Not for El Cucuy and La Llorona. <laughs> My mom was not above uh, using urban legends to discipline her children. Well, but there was no other way. No. You know, <laughs> was no, I mean, and for goodness sake, I mean, I went to Catholic school and even there, the whole idea of like sin is the same idea. You know, let's keep you in check by these yeah. like scary scary results this episode is brought to you by fangoria the world's best horror and cult film magazine since 1979 
Listeners can use code Books in the Freezer to get 20% off their order. That includes, of course, merchandise and first time subscriptions and single issues of the magazine. Not only are there tons of articles and interviews about upcoming horror movies, there's a regular segment by Stephen Graham Jones all about slashers called Slasher Nation. So you're going to want a copy. So again, that is code books in the freezer. And thank you, Fangoria, for supporting the show. Well, should we get to some cozy books? Always. My first pick is from an author who had been recommended to me for a long time. And I think anytime anyone says cozy horror, this is going to be one of the authors that people will tell you about immediately. And it is Darcy Coates. And I'm so glad I finally read a Darcy Coates novel. So this is The Whispering Dead. And it's actually the first in a series called The Gravekeepers series. Uh, But it starts out kind of action-packed because we're following like a girl who's being hunted by these people and she finds her way into this small town and you realize she has no memory of who she is or why she's being hunted. There's a parishioner who gives her refuge for a bit and hides her and feeds her um, and evades the people that are looking for her. And he lets her stay in this caretaker's cottage over by the cemetery while she kind of like figures things out. And you kind of get this story of like a girl starting over in a small town and like she's in this little cottage and like all the little cottage things. There's like a little cat that shows up that she adopts and starts taking care of and she starts like making friends in the small town. And while she's in this cottage, she hears something in the cemetery and she realizes that she can uh, hear the dead. And there's like specifically one spirit that seems like it's really trying to communicate with her. And she decides that it's her mission to find out like what happened to this woman um, and solve like the mystery of her death so that she can go in peace and let her spirit rest. And it's just so many like it's kind of just like that Hallmark setup of like I'm in a small town now. There's like a budding romance. I have like a new friend. We go get coffee and talk about like the people in the small town. And also we're working together to solve the mystery of this woman's murder. So I I've not read her yet, but I've she's been on the like my periphery. I've I've been very cognizant of you know of the books out there, but I haven't taken like a deep close look. So I'm very glad you recommended that. Because now I have to. I Yeah, I have the first three in the series that I need to get to. I read the first one and I was like, love it. Love these vibes. Um, and I know it's a bit different than her other books. Like her other books are usually like, you know, The Ashburn House um, and like The Haunting of such and such. The common denominator is that they all have these like cozy vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Going on. So that is The Whispering Dead by Darcy Coates, and that is the first in the Gravekeeper series. I think all of these are going to be room temperature just because of the type of books we're talking about, but uh, this one's room temperature. (laughs) I think all of mine are too. So the the first one I have might feel obvious, and I don't know that there's a listener you have who's not already aware of Cackle, but one of the reasons why I'm talking about it anyway, Rachel Harrison's Cackle, and we could also put Bad Dolls in there, that collection of short stories she has, um, is because it does it's sort of definitive, if you will, even though that wasn't her objective when she wrote the book. She wrote what she wanted to write, but it has a very Stars Hollow kind of town. Mm-hmm. It's witchy. Um, And again, with witches, you have agency. So even though, you know, the the protagonist has like a broken heart and she's trying to figure herself out, um, 
there's still a level of independence and agency that she has, which is important to feeling cozy. She's got her cute little apartment now. She befriends uh, another person who's uh, witchy. We, you know, see the spooky elements that come from, well, is she a weird spooky or is she just kind of a, a cool spooky? <laughs> you know? um, but there's also proper scary ghosts. Like I think some people are hesitant to call it horror, but I was like, those get ghosts scare the shit out of me, you know? And then there's also all the spiders and you don't know if they're nefarious. Yes. She has an adorable top hat wearing spider in there, but oh. there's other, I know <laughs> there's other spiders who are, questionable <laughs> you know um and and so anyway it just it has all the vibes and i think a lot of rachel's stories and bad dolls you know they walk that line too they definitely have the horror creepy element but there are there's either the humor or the community or the house or the sense of something that kind of also gives you a cozy feeling oh absolutely i wouldn't say that for the return at all <laughs> no yeah, I also loved in Cackle that there's so many scenes of her, like, making bread. Like, there's a lot of, like, food preparation scenes. And, and she coffee. Has, yeah, I was going to say, she goes to, like, her local coffee shop and gets lattes. Yes, this is required. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my next pick is the book, Welcome to Night Vale, by Jeffrey Craner and Joseph Fink. There have been a few, like, fiction books that have spun off from the podcast, like Welcome to Night Vale it devours the faceless old woman who lives in your home and they all have that absurd coziness if you've listened to the show i think it first of all listen to welcome to night vale if you haven't like they're very short episodes even just like the first few just to get a feel for like what i'm talking about um but it is this world building through this like radio host talking about this desert town where basically like every conspiracy is true and everything is absurd and nothing makes sense and I don't know why I find such a comfort in that that there is just like absolute nonsense going around in this town and that is a world building all its own yeah no I think there's something to be said for that where it's just so absurd mm -hmm. It makes you kind of smile yeah. a little bit. You know what I mean? There's like where there's a sense of humor and it can kind of laugh at itself, you know, while holding up a mirror. It's it's fantastically cozy. <laughs> so in this one, um, we're following Jackie Fierro, who is a pawn shop owner in this desert town of Nightvale. Um, she's given a paper that says King City by a man carrying around a deerskin suitcase. No one who comes across this man can remember anything about him. What does it mean? She teams up with Diane from the school PTA, whose son is a shapeshifter and changes form every time she looks at him. She keeps seeing her son's father. He looks exactly the same as the last time she saw him when they were teenagers. So there's some mysteries here. So can Diane and Jackie team up together to solve their mysteries together? And is the key to that in King City? And if you've listened to the podcast, there are like little cameos from the Nightville universe, including like the man who no one can remember what he looks like. Um, I'm going to take a moment to say that I'm sorry I did not come prepped with these like professional summaries. Oh, <laughs> Y'all, I'm winging it. <laughs> 
which when I was a librarian and I would do book talks, that's what I would do with the kids because they had such short attention spans. And so you have to be fast. So I would have like a whole stack of books that somehow could be teenage punk rock fairies. And I would say, hey, y'all, you like teenage punk rock fairies? Here's 10 books that are teenage (laughs) punk rock fairies. And that was really all I had to do for that. And they would attack it like lions with a wounded gazelle. And so I sometimes approach books like that on the on the podcast and then so I'm all like she's reading this stuff y'all and, like, and I'm like this one has pumpkins <laughs> that's how I'm gonna be with the next one so you're good. excellent <laughs> sorry so that is welcome to night vale the novel by Jeffrey Craner and Joseph Fink with the caveat that you should listen to one or two episodes just because they're really good I really enjoyed it. And actually they have it as an audiobook too. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, whether you get get it from your Audible or whatever, it's pretty easy to access. Mm-hmm. Well, I was gonna talk about Called to the Deep by Desiree M. Nicoli, and I still am, but I think all of her vibes, like I it, this isn't even gonna be the only story I would suggest from her because she A embraces the cozy horror subgenre description of her work because even though she does a lot of paranormal romance I mean this is the thing they all kind of walk this line again when you have romance you have that happily ever after guarantee so what people don't realize is that romance readers also like scary things and so they'll write their romance in a scary way and so with called to the deep she's got uh, man-eating very vicious very frightening mermaids and our protagonist is accidentally bitten and becomes one of those who then wants her. <laughs> the The love interest in there becomes a potential snack in multiple ways. Okay. okay. <laughs> this is so, like the type of conflict I'm interested in. Yes. Uh, many people are. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's it's kind of wonderful to to see like she you're reading along and you're you know this is kind of cozy there's cable knit sweaters there's an adorable town in maine all of the things right but then like halfway through the book and this is what everyone says they're like oh my god because then there's like all this really terrifying stuff that happens um in the water with these other vicious eating mermaids like man-eating mermaids um and actually the opening of the book is pretty scary too um so there's that one but she's also got um given to the ghoul out which is a lot of fun because that's that was like a peak monster romance time and that is a ghoul so okay there's a a town that's very shirley jackson which like once every year i think casts someone out into the desert to where the ghouls live as um like a sacrifice and they send them out to die and so she was actually a stranger in town and they cast her out and the ghoul that she meets and falls in love with actually gets really pissed and so (laughs) he goes back to the town and comes back with all of their skulls (laughs) and he gives them to her to plant her succulents in in her garden (laughs) Okay. There's a, there's a sense of community. Everybody, they all the ghouls are very nice, you know, and they all have cute gardens and, you know. So have they just been the- like this misunderstood community? Yes. Okay. Yes. And other cast offs, you know, who went into the desert as the sacrifice lived there as well. Like it's okay. just this 
kind of groovy little place. And- I thought it was like they were sacrificed, but because she was just like so hot or charming, she like won them over. I there might I have to go back and look now. I might be saying that like not remembering that right, but I feel like there's other people who were sacrificed. But he fell in love with her and you know gives her the skulls of her enemies. Oh, I love that. It's so adorable. And it- I was gonna say that is like a fantasy of mine that I like absolutely just win a group of people over who should not like me very like ted lasso (laughs) oh that's adorable only my like american charm now i have to and i'm not sad about this now i have to go back and reread that because did i just invent those extra people or not i did not invent however the skulls of her enemies that were used to plant succulents those are there i love that ladies Get yourself someone who's going to get you the skulls of your enemies to plant your succulents in. Okay, that's the tier <laughs> we're working with here. Don't, yeah, no low bars. We want skulls of our enemies. <laughs> okay, my final pick is Mooncakes by Suzanne Walker. This was illustrated by Wendy Shu. Uh, this is one of the summer scares picks for YA, and oh my gosh, when I read this, it was so cozy. Um, It takes place in this New England town. We're following this girl named Nova who works at her grandmother's like witchy bookshop. Um, And then her childhood crush happens to come back into town who's a werewolf and she's here to fight some evil demon that only werewolves can fight and they have to like band together against this evil. Um, it's just got like so much going on with this like witchy bookshop the grandmas are all like in sweaters because we're in new england which i consider as someone who has never lived in new england i feel like the portrayals of new england in fiction are very cozy and i am waiting for all the people who live in new england to say that it is not in fact uh, as cozy as it seems (laughs) also the pacific northwest those are like to the two coziest uh fictional places or like the way they're portrayed in fiction again uh, the use of a cable knit sweater or a cardigan is inherently cozy absolutely or like the the like gloomy parts of europe of course don't even get me started on gloomy parts of europe i'm just sad now when you talk about gloomy parts of europe i get sad when i think about well i'm in texas and i love my state but then it's not gloomy parts of europe and you know (laughs) i should also clarify i don't love everything about my state (laughs) but it's a big state and i'm allowed to uh like parts (laughs) that's fair yeah it hurts (laughs) Beautiful, cozy story of demons, witchcraft, love, and family. That is Mooncakes by Suzanne Walker. And I think if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can read it for free, like through Comixology or whatever their like comic part of that is. What is it? If you have what? If you have Kindle Unlimited, I think you can get it through. I think it's called like Comixology or something like that, where you can like use your Kindle Unlimited membership to read the comics that sounds fun so i'm gonna end mine on angelica frankenstein makes her match which is by sally thorne and 
you mentioned earlier my episode with Sarah Hawley that I did recently. So we mentioned this and we mentioned a couple of others because spooky romances have really become a thing. And I'm not necessarily talking about like paranormal romance or witchy. I mean, witchy kind of fits in there, but there's this sudden kind of rise of books that have spooky aesthetics that are are romances first, but in the world of something spooky. And this is one of them. And I really, really enjoyed it. The audiobook was so fun, has a great narrator. But, you know, it's Frankenstein's. So of course they make people <laughs> out of other people. <laughs> but, you know, the book opens with Angelica Frankenstein and her brother, who are both scientists um, who have inherited their parents' castle. And they're over there at the church, like looking for whoever's died recently and to see if they can salvage their bodies and use them in their experiments. And, you know, she saw a man that she she was really interested in using. Um, and the brother and her are kind of arguing over parts because she doesn't really even want to change him. She just wants to kind of resurrect him. But the brother's like, but I want that part and that part. And she's like, fine. <laughs> and so she takes parts from someone else to use on this one. <laughs> so he's still kind of pieced together. Um, and, you know, what's an interesting story because it, you still deal with a lot of the same things that Mary Shelley was dealing with as far as like, the morality of this sort of science and, you know, who, who are we to really to mess with things in this way at the same time that she made her match, man. So, <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's a, it's a really cute romance, but it is definitely in the world of spooky things. And there is, you know, a runaway, her, her brother made one, that ran away mm -hmm. and he's like lurking in the woods and they don't know if he's looking to be a menace to take vengeance. You know, it's not quite that hers turned out to be very sophisticated and, and stuff right off the bat. Um, but they don't know what's going on with this other one. So it's kind of spooky anyway. I had seen this one around, like, I feel like you, I heard about it from you first. You had posted about it, and then I saw someone like on Book Talk talking about it. So I feel like it's like making its rounds right now. Is it a new release? Newish. Okay. It's only a few months out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, it's it's the spooky rom coms. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a there's like um suburban hell and um love in the time of serial killers and like all of these things are are coming out that are kind mm -hmm. of feeding the the people's interest in both in both romance and spooky things. Yeah. You had Dana Schwartz on, yes, and she did. I was going to add that was that was debating having that as one of my picks. It would work. No. I, I don't know. I haven't read it, so I don't know if it's cozy. But I do know that it is a romance that takes place in like a very creepy, that Victorian body snatching mm -hmm. world. Yeah. Um, so, but like I said, I haven't read it, so I can't speak to it. But I know you had her on, and it was a great conversation. Yeah, that was really fun. I was also thinking about adding like the goosebumps, like Fear Street. Sure. Oh, repping my. <laughs> She's wearing her goosebumps shirt. <laughs> Do you have the high tops? I don't. I've seen those and they they look amazing. I was, I w I came of age post goosebumps, so by the time they came out, I was way past that, and I feel like I really missed. A fundamental part of childhood now. I feel like you were Christopher Pike generation though, right? 
yeah, but we just, I didn't, that wasn't in my world. Yeah. The Andrews was definitely around, but it was like, if it wasn't Beverly Cleary or Judy Bloom, because we remember that the mid eighties just didn't have a lot to offer us. No. Um, it was, it was, um, like VC Andrews or gothics, mm -hmm. which were always fun, you yeah. know, um, like scholastic book fair would always have these kind of like ghost stories and stuff like that. So. Uh, but RL Stein has been reissued, not reissuing. He's been writing some new like editions for like mm. fear street. Um, and I've read a few of those and they are like such cheesy fun, man. I embrace the cheese. Yeah. Bring it, bring Absolutely. it. I love it. It knows what it is. Yes, love in the time of serial killers knows what it is. <laughs> Absolutely. There needs to be like a level of self-awareness. Yeah, I'm into it. I And that's what I think this whole show, I mean, like I said, having that humor element, like Sleepy Hollow knows what it is, you know? And so it's just, that's the fun, the fun and the comfort oh, of it. Definitely. And the pumpkins. <laughs> Got out the pumpkins. <laughs> Well, should we talk chilling obsessions? I have chilling obsessions. Oh my gosh. Tell me all about it. <laughs> well, y'all have probably heard me talk about cozy gaming and I blame smart bitches, trashy books <laughs> for the whole thing that started <laughs> during the pandemic. She was talking about a cozy game and I hadn't played anything since the Atari like 1983 um, and I picked it up you know after smart bitches trashy books was talking about it on their podcast and um, then I picked up Animal Crossing and I've been cozy gaming ever since but they have lots of cozy games that are like spooky aesthetic mm -hmm. and so you know you'll have like Cozy Grove which is very cute and, you know, it's like a little scout that lands on an island, but she's a spirit scout and she has to help these little ghost bears. Um, and the like, you know, she catches fish and bugs and things like everything else. But like the fish she catches, it might be like the ghost of a drowned sailor or, uh, you know, <laughs> it's adorable, but it has these things. And there's a lot, a lot of witch ones. So like Little Witch in the Woods and... Um, Witchwood is another one, Witchbrook, but the one that I'm looking forward to, and this is like an obsession that it's not out yet, but I'm just sitting there like gripping my, <laughs> my Nintendo Switch going, get up, you know, hurry up. Um, Haunted Chocolatier. Have you heard about this no. one? What? Well, for people that love Stardew Valley, it is the same people that made Stardew Valley, except instead of being a farming sim, you live in a haunted castle and you have to collect the ingredients for your recipes of chocolate things like chocolate treats that you need to sell in your chocolate shop. And it just looks so cute and spooky and adorable. And I just, I cannot wait for that game. And in the meantime, I'm playing all these other like witchy cozy games. That looks so fun. I follow a few people on TikTok who are into cozy gaming and it seems really fun. And I think I would like to get into it once my youngest is out of her toddler stage where she is waiting for me to not be looking at her to like tear right. something apart. What I do is I put an audiobook in. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, you're just doing farming things like, but I, I have my audiobook going while I'm playing. And so I'm, I'm doing two things at once, but it's still relaxing because I'm listening to a good story while mm -hmm. I'm, you know, 
in the mines yeah. or yeah. like watering some plants. <laughs> I love that. My chilling obsession was an audio drama. I started listening to this few weeks ago, um, and it's called Monstrous Agonies. (gasps) What is this? Oh, it is like the most calming. It's like a late night. Like, do you guys have Delilah there? Delilah? Nope. Is that a Midwest thing? Okay. Well, what is that? Uh, I don't know. Maybe we do. (laughs) (laughs) She was like a radio host that would give like advice like people would call in and she would like take if it's on the radio i don't know unless it's npr like i don't know (laughs) um so it's this um kind of like a dear abby scenario but for creatures of the night so these are like cryptids calling or like writing to her um and sending like kind of like dear abby like what should i do about this situation and she gives this like very sweet like thoughtful advice for you know all these different situations and then like humans writing in and like how should i be to like my coworker who's a creature of the night and what's this called monstrous agonies they're short episodes too and it's a podcast yeah Uh, Oh my God, I'm in. I'm in. I just, I love the world building. Like she, you know, read one letter where someone was complaining. Someone was a bridezilla. Um, And then in the next episode, she's like, I would like to apologize to our kaiju community uh, for the use of bridezilla. Like I know that was offensive. Oh my gosh, this sounds amazing. I cannot wait. Okay, so now next time I cozy game, I might be listening to that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she and she has the most soothing, soothing voice. It's just like oh, fantastic creatures of the night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in completely. So that is monstrous agonies. Um, and of course, uh, our last tradition. Do you have a final girl song? Ma'am, I didn't know what direction to go with. Of course I do, but there were so many options. And I picked a PJ Harvey last time, and mm-hmm. I thought, well, I can either continue because there are so many PJ Harvey options. Um, she's very morbid. <laughs> <laughs> and it works. But sometimes I feel like a final girl needs to have a song that's like where she's kicking ass at the end as she's surviving. Yeah. Um, and so I went with a song where the movie involves people like kicking ass as they're trying to survive, <laughs> so, which is from Desperado, the movie Desperado. Do you remember that? A long time ago. I have not watched it. I mean, nineties. Yeah. <laughs> it's from the nineties. And so Antonio Banderas actually sings with the band Los Lobos. Oh. And it's a song called Cancion del Mariachi. And so, you know, just picture me with like flames coming up behind me <laughs> as I walk away from an explosion in the villains <laughs> while this song is playing. Nice. I am loving this. Okay. <laughs> There's visuals, guys. Visuals. I will be adding it to the list. Do I need to rewatch this now? I don't know. I mean, who knows if it even held up, but I just know that this song kicks ass. <laughs> okay, so I don't need to rewatch it to get your context. Just listen to it and I'll just imagine. Send you the video. Okay. <laughs> I'll send you the video of the song. Okay. That's good enough. Should I send you the video from Annabelle Comes Home where the car is <laughs> yes. broken down and in front of a cemetery? I'll send you, in case any of your listeners are curious and you can put it in show notes, um, the Haunted Chocolatier mm-hmm. trailer. Okay. 
And um, there we go. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me all things horror and cozy. I almost want to like revisit this in October. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's see where we are on our cozy horror list. Yeah, where we are in our <laughs> let's journey. Follow up. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much. I love that I'm the person that you asked to join you on this particular conversation. It just made me so very happy. I was looking forward to it for weeks. <laughs> Got the cozy horror vibes on lock. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod or on Instagram at Books in the Freezer. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes will be at booksinthefreezer.com where you can find the titles of the books mentioned in this episode and previous episodes as well as information on where to find us on social media, Patreon, affiliate links, different ways to show your support for the podcast, and even where to get podcast merch, if that's something you're interested. So you can find all of that information, again, at booksinthefreezer.com. I did want to apologize for the sound a few times during this episode. Um, I got a little animated and started speaking with my hands and bumped my microphone. I tried to edit it out. Uh as much as I could, and I did edit out quite a few of the microphone taps, but some of them were unfortunately right when I was speaking. So uh, I'm sorry if that was something that kept popping up. So hopefully that will not happen again. Also, a note that I will be at the upcoming StokerCon that is going to be here in Pittsburgh, um, I think mid June. I am very excited to finally get to meet some of you listeners. So let me know if that's something you are going to as well. I will be speaking on two panels. I will be on a panel Friday for Librarian's Day talking about summer scares. Um, and I will be on a panel. I don't know what day it is yet. It's not officially on the schedule, but about horror tropes, kind of like favorite and least favorite horror tropes with some fun people. So hope to see you there. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Instagram at that's what she read. That's that's with two A's or on Twitter at lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. And as always, see you next time on Books in the Freezer. Mm-hmm.